Hey everyone, welcome to episode number eight of the Fitness Devil You Know podcast. Tonight we've got a really special guest. We managed to get Sohi Lee to take some time out of her extremely busy schedule to join us, so please stick around and enjoy. Shut up and sit down. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number eight of the Fitness Devil You Know podcast. And today we got a really special guest. Sohi Lee was kind enough to grace us with her presence and her time. So uh, welcome, Sohi. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Awesome. Well, I'll give the audience, I'm hoping a lot of people have heard of you. For those who haven't, I'll give you a quick intro, just a lot of cool stuff. You've got a BA in human biology and you're studying for your master's in psychology, uh, in particular of eating behavior. Uh, you're a certified strength and conditioning specialist, certified sports nutritionist. Guys, hang in there. There's a long list. <laughs> There's other designations. Uh, you interned at Cressy Sports Performance, which is something I didn't know until I looked at that. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, you now run your own business in Phoenix. Uh, you huh? you write for some things like bodybuilding.com, Oxygen Shape, and other magazines. And you are very closely uh, affiliated with, you work with BioLane, so Dr. Lane Norton. And right. you're the, his co-host on the Physique Science Radio podcast, which is actually the first podcast I've ever listened to and what got me. Oh, wow. That was my starter. <laughs> you're, you're a superhero. <laughs> because, uh, when, uh, when I first met Sohi in May this year, um, this is really cool, uh, her, Brett Contreras, and Dr. Spencer Nadolsky all were walking into the hotel as I walked out and I fanboyed real hard. I'm like, oh my God, these are three people. Like, <laughs> I love your guys' work. So we got to chatting and uh, I believe it was Brett who asked who of the three of you was my favorite. Of course, I had to take the political answer and my answer was Lane Norton, but, <laughs> but I, I don't want to make this episode about him. I'm just a fan as well. Uh, but other cool things, uh, you're an IFPA bikini pro. A very competitive powerlifter. Uh, you published a whole bunch of ebooks. Um, the list gets pretty ridiculous. And most of all, you've made a really, really big mark in this industry. A lot of people follow you and you're well respected. So, and she has a dog. She has a dog named Ollie. Which, yeah. Most importantly, I have a dog. <laughs> which is, I'm the dog guy. Andrew's the cat guy. We kind of, I don't, I don't want to say we battle it out, but like dogs, are, dogs win and you're a dog person. So we're going to start off on a way better footing than with Andrew. Yeah. FYI. <laughs> so uh, with all that said, it's time to hear you talk and me shut up a little bit. So we'd love to hear about your journey uh, through your career in fitness. Okay. So just, you want me to run through the whole background? Like just some of the big highlights and kind of where you came um, from and how you are where yeah, you okay. are today. Okay. I'll just run through the highlights. Hopefully it won't take too, too long. Um, I have background um, in eating disorders as many women and I'm sure some men do as well who go into fitness industry. I was anorexic and bulimic for um, a long time back when I was a, a young teenager and um, really was not really understanding what I needed to do to you know achieve the slender look that everyone coveted um, back during my time. And and it, I didn't know anything about nutrition. I didn't know what a macronutrient was. I didn't know what a protein was, what a carb was, what a fat was. I didn't know that women could lift weights and not get bulky. And just all the stereotypical myths out there, um, I fell for all of them. And uh, it wasn't until I was 18 I discovered that I discovered the Oxygen Magazine. Nice. At a grocery store, I saw a fitness model. And I remember, I, I, I wish <laughs> I remember remembered who the model was on the cover, but I fell in love with her look. She was muscular yet still lean and very feminine. And it was the first time I realized that you didn't have to be a professional athlete to look at that way. And, um, that's when I realized I didn't, re I didn't know that nutrition played such a big role in physique development. And so that's, and then I picked up a copy of Tosca Reno's, um, I believe it's called the Clean Eating Bible, and <laughs> from there I devoured everything. I was only eighteen years old. Eighteen years old at the time, I devoured everything in the book. Um, I became a clean eater. Again, very stereotypical pathway for many. <laughs> became a clean eater. So basically I traded in my anorexia and bulimia for orthorexia. So another form of disordered eating, but more, um, cleverly disguised because, you know, now you're doing it for the name of health, right? Quote unquote yeah. health. And, but I still was very obsessed with clean eating. Oh, and that's dirty and that's junk food. And I was still struggling with binge eating, um, here and there because it's the clean eating mentality is actually, um, now, interestingly, that's not now my area of research. So I'm doing a lot of reading into the scientific literature and we're finding that um, the clean eating mentality is actually pretty, pretty damaging um, 
psychologically and also in terms of weight loss efforts, you end up sabotaging your own efforts a lot. And we can talk more about that later if you want. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I became a clean eater. I started lifting weights, hired a coach, had another coach. I kind of, I worked with, and then throughout my college career, I worked with a number of different online coaches and uh, kept lifting weights throughout, did a bikini competition while I was a full-time undergrad student, mm-hmm. uh, which looking back was you know, was really a lot to take on. And, um, from there I, you know, I, I was pre-med for a while. I was in sports medicine and I realized that uh, medicine wasn't my passion. It was fitness. And, um, you know, I thought for a long time that sports medicine would be the perfect intersection of, of fitness and science. And it really is not. It's very, very sports medicine. It's very different from fitness. I was not so much interested in athletes and athlete injuries. I was more into, um, general fat loss and body composition. And you're not going to get that in sports medicine. Um, so I, uh, my senior year of college, my last year of college, I kind of, um, on a whim started up a blog and, uh, started blogging away, created a Facebook page cause that's what everyone was doing. I created a Twitter handle and, um, and then I guess from there it kind of just the past uh, almost six years now, it's been a really fun journey of, of landing internships and, and, uh, getting cool opportunities. And now I'm back in, school. So I took four years off of school after I graduated to work at different gyms and build up my online business. And, um, now I'm finishing up my second year of grad school, um, second and last year of grad school. So hopefully I'll be graduating next May, um, getting my master's degree in psychology. And I am studying the psychology of eating behaviors, which to me is so fascinating. And hopefully, um, I will get a, uh, a research publication out of my thesis. And from there, I would like to do follow-up studies and also conduct some, um, training studies as well as, uh, nutrition and diet interventions also. So that's, that's the plan. For right so now. essentially you can become like the, the full meal deal in terms of being in fitness, being in nutrition, but then having that psychological, psychological, is that even a word? No, that's not. <laughs> You're not even going to get away with that. Psychological, psychological um, aspect of it. And that, that's actually awesome. That pushes you even further to the forefront of this particular corner the industry where, again, like I said, a lot of people are finding you and listening to you and you talking about that clean eating book. And I'm laughing here because I'm like, oh my God, like that must set your hair on fire right now. And looking back at that. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I have it anymore, but it was very much the, oh, by the way, here's just my, my long list of supplements. You have to be pollen. I remember be pollen and um, (laughs) that we just don't need. And I was spending so much money that I didn't even have (laughs) on stuff that didn't make any look of difference. We've all done it. I'm just, well, I'm just well, I, even if you look back to um, like my my it wasn't necessarily magazines but it was it was T-Nation and nothing against T-Nation but like man I wanted every single product those guys had because every article linked to like Anaconda and like you gotta get this protein and it was all double the price God I, see I love T-Nation because so many brilliant people have written for it and yet there's also so much crap in there that it becomes a very good exercise for oh, oh. anyone with trainers who are learning or experienced uh, fitness like people, enthusiasts, to be able to teach yourself, okay, how to filter the good information from the bad. And T-Nation is a perfect example of learning how to do that. Well, and I was like 17, I think, 17, 18, 19. Like, I didn't have those skills. I was playing football and I was like, man, these guys look jacked. You get these products. And little did I know, I didn't. But man, basically, I spent a lot of money, probably like you. It was great at the same Uh, time. Um, one of the main things on your website is you, and you kind of touched on it was talking about eating your eating disorder for eight years and then discover weightlifting. Do you want to kind of dive a little bit deeper and share that story, um, in terms of how weightlifting and that kind of shifted your focus, I guess, or mindset? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was cool. I wouldn't say that it was a miracle cure by any means. I still think I struggled with a lot of issues for several years, even after that, but, um, weightlifting really helped to change my perspective. Cause you know, I was coming from a background of thinking that the less you eat, the better off you are, the skinny you are, the happier you are, the more yeah. popular you are, the better your life is. And, uh, it took me a little bit to realize that skipping meals and missing out on social events and losing my personality and losing my friends. Cause I was never around them anymore. I didn't want to hang out with them anymore. Um, that was the opposite of, of what health and fitness should be about. And, um, uh, I, I got to the point where I, I would spend the entire day, uh, dreading my upcoming workout, my self-imposed workout, which was completely arbitrary. I would either do three hours straight of cardio or I do 
hundreds of push-ups and I think a few thousand sit-ups um, or I would jump rope for an hour straight with no music. Um, it was just an absolutely torturous regimen that I had come up with for myself. This that is I had, part of that uh, orthorexia. With no rhyme or reason, I just stopped right? it together and decided that I, that's what I had to stick to. And I, I hated it so much that I would spend my whole day thinking about how much I hated it. And I would also spend my day obsessing over all the food that I could not eat, all the foods that I did not allow myself to eat. I would sit there and genuinely wonder how people could go about their days, focus on their work and not be obsessed with thinking about the donut in the, in the, in the break room. Um, and, and I didn't understand how it was possible that they could eat one donut and move on with their life. For me, I would eat the whole box, you know, it was, it's, um, yeah. And I, I, for, for a long time, I thought it was just a matter of maybe if I just tried harder or maybe if I just had more self-control, which I think is a very common misconception with people who try to diet down is thinking that it's all about having as much self-control as possible. It's really not the case. Um, but as far as weightlifting goes, that was really a cool uh, mindset shift for me because that's when I first started to, instead of trying to become smaller and smaller, now I was trying to build myself up. And that was the first time in several years that I had even thought that way that, oh, wow, it actually, um, I'm not actually just chasing a, a lower number on the scale. Now I'm actually trying to get stronger in the gym and, and lift this weight. And that's, that's pretty badass. It's really empowering feeling. And so that, uh, definitely helped shift gears for me in a really major way. And that was in, uh, early 2008. So I guess I'm kind of coming up on my 10 year lifting anniversary, which is kind of neat. And where, and where, where did you get that idea of getting into weightlifting? Just like, was it just on a whim or was it being part of Cressy? Um, like how? Hello? It was the magazine, Oxygen Magazine. Oh, really? It was the, <laughs> yep. It nice. was, uh, you know, they have like little routines in there for you to yeah. follow. And I'm like, oh, I can do that. Yeah. And uh, I actually taught my I taught myself how to, how to lift weights, which I um, wouldn't necessarily recommend for everyone because I know that it can be dangerous, especially if you don't have the best body awareness. But yeah. I somehow... Uh, you know, I learned how to hip hinge perfectly, a squat and push up. All those things came uh, pretty naturally to me. Um, and then from there, I just kind of started to comb the bodybuilding. I was the master lurker on bodybuilding.com forums, <laughs> other online fitness forums where I had an account, but I would never post. I would just read everyone else's threads. Me too. Um, they wanted to, <laughs> yeah, I wanted to learn as much as I could. So that's, that's what I was doing. And then, uh, you know, I, was, I dabbled in, uh, in the bikini competitions for a while. And it's funny because I thought that, um, when I first started lifting weights, I, you know, Jamie Eason back in the day was very popular in yeah. 2008 and a few years after that. Um, and I not really understanding how, um, muscle growth worked and also the role of genetics and all those things. I thought that I could look like her in six months and, um, which now looking back is totally laughable because it's now been almost 10 years and I still don't look anything close to her. <laughs> uh, we are very two very very different people, very different structures and whatnot. And I think she's absolutely beautiful. I love her physique. I've always loved it, but I'm also learning to more appreciate the way that I look now and um, understanding that I'm probably never going to be the jacked chick with bulging quads and bulging biceps. But I have more of a naturally slender look, and I'm happy with that now. Well, that's a good point because there's a lot of people, like even even with her movement, there's a lot of people that try to look like her, which probably have the same exact story because she's unbelievable. Like, right. You're also probably hitting that point now where you get women walking up to you or messaging you and you're the ideal. Like, that's how how yeah. does how how do you feel or respond to that when you start getting that and people are looking at you the same way you looked at Jamie Eason? Um, it, it's cool, but I I'm, I don't I don't know I don't know if they if they, if they like my, um, physical body per se, so much as, um, the messages that I get are more so about my, my mentality and very moderate, relaxed approach toward my eating and nutrition now and, and exercise. And, um, and then I also, you know, because I'm so moderate with my eating behaviors, I never binge anymore. I never obsess over anything with my diet, anything with my workouts. If I have to skip a workout or if I'm feeling too tired, I have no qualms whatsoever about skipping a workout. Um, this is something that, you know, 10 years ago I would have been flipping out over. And, um, I also maintain my body weight within a few pounds uh, year round without really trying. So I like to call this effortless eating. And I think people, um, they see that they, they, they see me walking the walk, especially if they follow me on Instagram, cause that's where I'm most active yeah. on my storyboard and things like that. Um, they see that I'm having fun. I'm doing what I'm doing. And, uh, I, I honestly think that there's a big, there's a big component to, um, when you get to the point when you're not 
Uh, I think when you stress out too much and obsess too much over your diet and exercise, it, it backfires. Um, so, but if you can learn to relax, but still be mindful, that's the best place to be in. Um, so I think getting to that place is where people really want to get to. That's a, an amazing place to be in. It's a great message. And it's something that I've always been drawn to with yourself and yeah. the professionals that you surround yourself with. And I guess that kind of goes to, it leads into the next thing I really want to ask. Like again, you people like Lane, Alan Aragon, you guys are really at the core of this education about flexible dieting as one aspect of what we were talking about. Um, I was kind of hoping you could really give a good breakdown of flexible dieting, given that there are a lot of misconceptions, uh, maybe, set yeah. some, maybe set some clean eating uh, zealots on fire with this one. And uh, yeah, just, just attack the misconceptions about it. Um, okay. So flexible dieting is not an actual diet. Like m many people think they're like, Oh, put me on the flexible dieting diet. I'm like, okay, that's not a specific meal plan or anything. There are no rules really you have to follow. All it is, is a, um, as the name implies, a flexible way of eating. And in the scientific literature, they call this flexible dietary restraint as opposed to uh, rigid dietary restraint. So it's a flexible w way of eating that takes on a very graduated approach toward food. So instead of thinking of food as good and bad, black and white, um, and you probably don't use cheap meals, you, you don't use terms like cheat meals, uh, you say, okay, these are foods that I should probably eat more often. Here are the more nutrient-dense foods, um, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, lean proteins, things like that. Um, and these other foods, the nutrient-devoid foods, um, ice cream, cookies, chips, chocolate, I'm not going to ban them, but I am going to be mindful of how much I, it I consume. So the general recommendation for flexible dieting is to have um, a minimum of 80% of your daily, ca daily calories coming from whole minimally processed nutrient dense foods and then leaving um, 10 to 20, 20, 10 to 20% of your remaining calories as um, I think it's Alan Aragon. He calls them discretionary calories. So yep. calories <laughs> can be to whatever you want. It can be just sugary junk food goodness. Um, and uh, what's cool about this as well is, is that flexible dieting is actually associated with lower eating disordered behaviors lower rates of binge eating, lower rates of yo-yo dieting, lower rates of weight regain, and just general healthier life. And um, on top of that, and people, you know, what, what, what they criticize is, oh, well, I can't believe you're, you're condoning the consumption of junk food. That can't be good for your health. Well, actually, um, having a moderate consumption of sugar in your diet has no negative impact on health whatsoever, none. And I would actually argue that if it's helping you prevent, if it's helping prevent binge eating, um, how is that not healthy? How is that not a good thing? That's a major net. So, yep. And so, and so really it's just, it's just a very, um, sustainable, uh, reasonable way of eating that takes into account the fact that, Hey, we like to have a life. We like to enjoy, um, cookies every now and then. And we want to be able to do these things, indulge guilt free while without sabotaging our goals, whatever our fitness goals are. That's all it is. Well, and, and one of the things even that you pointed to is once you kind of get in that system, you get into that effortless eating. Did you coin that? I don't know if you coined that, but yeah, I call, yeah, you can, I you can I almost do that intuitively because if you stick to that 80, 20 percent rule, then you can take away the stress of counting, especially if you can get that point where you build those skills. And I found that flexible dieting is a great way to build those skills, especially when you track and you start getting those habits. It's awesome. And you alluded to this yeah. as well. And, and this is a big one for me when I'm talking to clients is breaking the cycle of guilt and shame yeah. that leads to the binges that you mentioned. And right. that, that sort of negative feedback loop that just dooms people to failure on this. If you can get people away from that negative stigma about bad food, demonic food, and let them enjoy the cookie. Uh, I had a conversation with a client of mine on my way over here that I coach and he's feeling down about something. He's kind of having a bad couple of days and he mentioned how he had a couple of cookies. Like it was a bad thing. I'm like, dude, were the cookies good? He's like, they were delightful. I said, okay, good. Like enjoy those fucking things. Seriously. Because, don't feel guilty about it. Just make sure you get everything else right. Right. Yeah. Just enjoy the hell out of them. And if it tasted amazing, then it was worth it. Now move on. Um, and so, uh, yeah, te teaching that is 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 huge. And uh, one strategy that I use with uh, many of my clients to, is to actually um, very specifically allot them. Okay, I want you to have two to three hundred calories a day devoted to treats of any of your choosing. Anything can be chocolate, anything. 
Um, can be straight up butter if you want it to be, doesn't matter, but leave that out. Just account for it in your total calorie intake. And obviously at the first, they're like, what? I can't do that. But, but it doesn't take very long for them to realize, oh my God, I can have a reasonable portion of this and I can still make progress toward my goal. And then that, that, that doing the act of doing that and, and, and realizing through personal experience that they're actually doing okay. That's, I think does the most for helping to change their mindset and to, and to remove that fear of junk food. Absolutely. I'm even like, it was 200 calories. I'm trying to think what I could eat for 200 calories. And you, you bet. I'll take bigger. I'll give you more. Well, what's a Snickers bar? Um, I think it's 240. Oh, damn it. You can have like three quarters of one. <laughs> well, Dean is. But, okay, but here's the thing. Okay. I also say, don't ever think it. Don't split hairs over numbers like that because oh, yeah. <laughs> people will be like, oh, okay, so 80% of my calories. So, okay, um, you know, like uh, 1,237. I'm like, okay, no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> This is the opposite of this. These are guidelines. They're not rigid rules. So um, that point is also very important. And that, that's actually a very important point for some of the people who are listening are trying to take something from that. Don't 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 worry about that extra 30 calories. Yeah, don't, like that's a huge thing that could probably destroy someone if they thought it had to be that rigid. Do not allow this to become oh, OCD or anything approaching that or an obsession about counting that that can become an, its own rabbit hole. That's uh, pretty negative, yeah. too. Um, you've competed powerlifting. And bikini. Yep. Uh, this is gonna be a little. Which one do you love more? When it when it comes down to it, like which one do you love more? Oh my god, um, <laughs> this is gonna sound bad, but I almost prefer neither at this time. Hey, I'm the uh, same. Yeah, got it. Yeah, both have their pros, both have their cons. Um, powerlifting was great because it really takes the focus off of how you look, obviously, yeah. and you start focusing on how much you can lift in the gym, which is uh, you know pretty badass. However. The risk of injury that comes with powerlifting to me is not worth it. Um, I know there are people who are world-class powerlifters and absolutely love setting what were max PRs and everything. I don't love it so much anymore. Um, I prefer staying safer in the gym, knowing that I'm not going to get injured and sticking to the higher reps. But the, the times that I did do, uh, I did two powerlifting meets, I believe. Um, they were a lot of fun. Yeah. I'd really, I really did enjoy them. Um, and I'm glad I did them. And as far as bikini competing, um, you know, it's, it's cool to test how far you can take your body. And it's fun to see the changes from day to day when you're dieting down and to, un, you know, un, un, uncover what the, what you've worked so hard to build in the off season. Um, but the dieting was, you know, obviously dieting is never going to be like, Oh my God, I can't wait to, I love dieting. I love feeling low energy. No one's going to be like that. But, um, I think for me, the hassle of, of practicing on my posing and getting my suit together and the tanning and then not smudging your tan overnight and, um, your jewelry, your makeup, your, um, that stuff to me, I don't enjoy that stuff. I know many women love it getting glammed up. And I, to me, I'm like, I want to read some research papers and, or stay at home on the couch in my sweats. Um, so you know, with all that though. So you, you, in even I, all I heard is like powerlifting is badass. Um, what was, so I, I don't, is it okay to talk about weight here? What was your weight and what was like your best squat bench and deadlift for that weight? Cause I don't think people realize that you're actually like, you're pretty strong. No. Okay. Pretty strong. I'm like cracking up here. Cause you're like, she's a very good powerlifter. I'm like, no, I'm not (laughs) above average. Let's go above average. Yeah, well, I'm I'm decent. Okay. I would never make it to a national um, meet. So I was uh, my everyday weight nowadays is around 108 pounds, which I think is 49 kilos. Yeah. And um, my latest meet, so my best numbers at I would say you know around 110 pounds or 50 kilos was probably uh, my all time best was a 50 kilo bench, 110 bench. Um, uh, 248 pound deadlift, which I don't know what that is in kilos. 248. Um, double body weight. 248. Yeah. 248. And then my squat was, my squat is my worst by far my worst. I only got 170 on my squat. Um, but it's just, I don't have strong quads, but I, however, if there were to be a hip thrust competition, I would <laughs> blow that out of the water. I was gonna say at this point, you better. <laughs> yeah. My hips are very strong. My quads are very weak. And, um, you know, that's just the way it is. And I, uh, I just, I like having fun with my workouts and I'm not too worried about setting uh, PRs anymore. Well, things have changed. 
Yeah. And I was going to say, because you talked, and I don't want to say negatives, but your, your shift in mindset, what would you give for some of those newer people that are considering competitions in powerlifting and physique? Cause both have their pros and cons, but both come with yeah. like a lot of baggage depending on how deep you get into that yeah. rabbit hole. So with, well, okay. I would, I would almost say that bikini competitions or, you know, figure bodybuilding, obviously those um, I almost feel like they are, and obviously this is subjective. I think those are more mentally taxing and take a greater toll on your overall quality of life, um, than powerlifting does. But obviously some people might disagree with me. Um, I think that you, usually I will say if you're curious about it and it interests you and you've been to a meet or you've been to a show, um, that would be the first thing, go to a powerlifting meet or go to a, yeah. go to a bikini competition and see what it's like. Then you'll get us, you know, your first initial taste. And if you still like it, um, then make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Um, don't do it to get revenge on your ex. Don't do it to, you know, don't do it for yourself. Do it because you want to test your own limits and you think it'll be a fun challenge. And also make sure that you have the bandwidth in your life right now to devote the mental energy and the time to, to dedicating to a proper prep. That's a huge if, point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, because if you're a full-time student and you're also a mom and you're also traveling every weekend, probably should not be trying to diet down. And you also like partying. You're not willing to give that up. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not, you know, <laughs> so. that's not going to fit. One of my big pet peeves is there are some coaches out there and their goal is to force everybody. And, and sometimes as often women, they push into powerlifting. They always try to push them in that direction. And I think then it's the coach serving their agenda and their preferred way of training and advancing their own narrative as opposed to ultimately doing what is in the best interest of the client. So I, I like for people to find these sort of things on their own. Well, and the, I like the bandwidth. I like you, man. You got some good coin terms. I'm going to use that one. I'm stealing that one. The effortless dieting. And do you have the bandwidth? available. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Now, one of the cool things we talked about, our last guest that we're about to release this, uh, well, it'll be out by the time this gets out, but uh, we spoke with Carter Good and we talked a lot about his nutrition infographics and how he blew up. But I noticed that you've been doing tons of these. They're great. You got Jordan side, you got Dr. Nadolsky doing this stuff. So who does them best? <laughs> and uh, do you actually think that, uh, what kind of difference do you think these things are making now that they're becoming more popular on social media? Well, yeah, I think everyone has their area of specialty <laughs> and um, um, maybe we cater to slightly different audiences. But for the most part, I think these infographics are great, especially for beginners who maybe feel really overwhelmed by all the information, all the conflicting information that they get about health and fitness and weight loss and dieting and all those things out there and lifting weights. Um, I think they're a really, really effective way of communicating um, information in a necessarily simplified manner. So that is one limitation of infographics is that they have to be simplified. Yeah. Um, people are not going to read them. Um, but getting out bite-sized pieces of information, um, such, especially with a, a, a platform such as Instagram, where you don't have to click off uh, and, and click and click and click to read a full article. You just have to scroll, pause, read, and move on uh, to learn something. And I think that is, uh, infographics has been a really powerful way of taking advantage of the way that, in, that Instagram works nowadays. And especially with, you know, it's very visual. Um, the more, the more for my, my thinking is for the most part, I try to say, you know, the more white space there is in your infographic and the more visuals there are, the better it's going to do most likely. And, um, I, yeah, they're, they're great. Um, I kind of obviously it can be very easy to get caught up in, in the chasing the infographic train and thinking you have to crank out infographic after infographic. And, um, and that's when we're, that's when we run into issues of maybe the quality of your content gets watered down, or you kind of borrow someone else's content a little yeah. bit, which has been a few times. We've seen that. Um, yeah. Let's talk about that in a second, actually. Yeah, yeah sure. And, um, so, but uh, otherwise, I I am very big on um, sticking stick stick to your lane. If you are if something is not within your area of expertise, don't write about it. Probably same as with blogging. You know, this is I think in a way this is the new blogging. And I'm not saying blogging is is um, is out of date by any means. I think they're really great, and there are things that blogging can do that infographics cannot do. Um, but for a lot of people, I know that. Um, the, the, the idea of creating an infographic and a short caption is a lot less daunting than writing a, a 2000 word article 
Um, and this is why they've been doing so well, you know? Well, it'd be um, interesting to see what happens. Cause like right now, like I'm just doing the timeline. This thing has taken off in a year. I just hope it, like you said, doesn't get watered down to the point where everyone's doing it. And then we can't decipher the good and the bad. And that's cause right now a lot of the good people are doing it and it's easy for people. But when you, everyone starts doing it, then that's kind of when it's going to get watered down. I mean, I see that too. And we're already starting to see it. But I, again, I think that the good people are going to get the notoriety. People are going to follow them. Yeah. I'm not too worried because guess what? Like there's tons of people out there writing blogs. There's tons of people out putting out every kind of fitness content. This is just a new vehicle for fitness content delivery and a really, really good one. The good people will always show good quality. The other stuff, the fluff, it just will not catch on. And the industry is pretty smart at knowing who is legit and who's really, really good. And then just tuning out or sidelining the people, not giving attention to the people who uh, they're not delivering good quality. And then, of course, as you talked about, alluded to the people who are stealing content. So and, and I've I saw your posts about some of the people that have been stealing yeah. your stuff. And, and if I remember correctly, I mean, one of the girls, I remember meeting her and shaking her hand in, in Kansas City and I was kind of appalled. I'm like, oh, God. So, um, <laughs> you know, like that sort of that bothers me. I'm, I'm big. I, I, the idea that someone would actually steal and be so yeah, audacious offends me deeply. Mm-hmm. We, we have some people who are kind of like, well, there's not much you can do about it. Like, kind of what are your thoughts about it? Um, I think there's absolutely a lot that we can do about it. Absolutely. And for, um, you know, for me, I had to call out uh, another woman earlier in the year and it was not fun for me, but it just got to a point where I had contacted her privately um, I had a very nice exchange with her and I felt like I had gotten duped where she pretended to, um, you know, Oh, I learned my ways. I thank you so much for you being so gracious. I'll never do it again. And then a few days later, she's doing the same thing. And I'm sitting here like, are you, are you kidding me? You know, I, 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 we, I, we had a private, um, exchange and I gave you a chance and, um, you, you know, acted all remorseful, et cetera. And, um, you know, by the way, if you put anything out on the internet, people are going to find it (laughs) eventually. And, um, yeah, so I ended up, you know, publicly outing her, which, um, didn't, I honestly, it it didn't make me feel very good, but it felt like it kind of had to be done. Um, not just for her, but most more so to, um, a general, you know, Hey guys, this is complete bullshit. This, you, we should not as, as an industry be tolerating this stuff. And to say that, Oh, this is just what happens. Deal with it. I call bullshit on that. Um, for us to passively sit around, uh, only encourages the behavior. And, you know, a little bit after that, it happened again with, with someone else The you know, the, the woman that you mentioned. And, uh, um, fortunately I was not the one who had to do the calling out, but that became a, that was even more drama from that. Cause, um, you know, she was plugged in with uh, numerous of our colleagues in the industry. People yeah. knew her, you know, she's based in the United States. And, um, but, uh, since then there's not been anything big that I'm aware of. Uh, obviously there's just been, you know, just here and there on Instagram, your infographics, they swipe your, they very conveniently white out your name or whatever. And, um, Instagram is actually pretty good about taking down content that you, that you report for copyright violations now. So, um, usually, you know, trying to contact them privately, Dash doesn't actually do anything. You usually just get blocked or something. So going to get to the authorities is a, is a good way of doing that. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't have a, I don't have any, any tolerance for that. Um, you know, if two people independently end up coming up with similar content, that's something entirely different, but to steal someone's work verbatim word for word, or to steal their graphics that they worked hard on making and then just changing the name, that is blatant disrespect. Um, and that makes me very, very angry. Absolutely. Shit, that's crazy. Yeah. And I, I, if for anyone who, especially like people who know me and Dean personally from Edmonton, who are just now like literally discovering, you're going to say two things. One, go follow Sohi, please, on your Instagram. She's amazing. Like you're going to get to see the stuff we're talking about. Um, you know, she's one of the best in the industry and I firmly believe that. And then you, you are always positive. There is no negativity anywhere anywhere near your content. I just, I don't see negative, divisive, combative type stuff. And and we have some friends and you have some friends that are really great at that stuff and, and they, they, they make it work. But if you're actually calling out someone and going after something like this, then that really means a lot. Well, it has more of an impact, yeah. I think. That's what I figured as well. Cause everyone before them was saying, Oh, you were so positive. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, you must be really pissed off. And you're <laughs> I'm like, like, yes, you're like this bitch. They're like, oh, geez. I am shaking. Yeah, <laughs> I was physically just shaking from anger. So, um, yeah, I definitely try to keep things positive, but I also um, try not to be too positive. Where I'm, it's like painfully fluffy and you know the frou frou. <laughs> 
um, bullshit. So <laughs> I think you're doing a good job. Like you threw in a few swears and stuff, and yeah, it's and good. you know what's funny is, is some some uh, readers of mine. I've I've read comments about me online saying like, oh, she's really short with you, and <laughs> yeah, because yeah, like my 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 direct messages blow up every day on Instagram, and I'm not going to take the time to write out a formal introduction to you and all these emojis. I'm going to answer your question and leave. So in that regard, you know, some people you, say, oh, she's really unfriendly and cold, but. I'm just getting a job then. You got a life. You got a life to live. What about what about Ollie? Are you are you are you how are you with Ollie? Ollie's Ollie's her dog. Oh my strict? god. Are you strict? Um, do you you like let let him off the leash a little bit? Yes and no. I <laughs> kind of melt around him. Like he's he's been with me. He's he just turned five. He's been with me since basically since he was eight weeks old, and he's followed me all over the country as I moved from job to job and everything. Um, but no, I. I'm not nearly as strict with him as I, as I God, could be. God forbid he steals on your infographics, gets on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's switch gears a little bit. So um, it can seem like there's a losing battle against obesity statistics. Um, how are we doing in your eyes and the fitness industry, uh, us as a whole? No, um, you know, we haven't been doing so great. I think we're making, take, making the right steps to get better. Uh, you know, I there's a really... It was a well-circulated graph that uh, researcher Stefan Guyonet um, put together not long ago. I think it was maybe two years ago. But anyway, it's a graph showing um, a line of obesity rate increasing over the years pretty steadily. And then there's also a line um, showing carbohydrate intake over the years. And many people like to blame carbs as the cause of obesity. Um, however, you will see from the year 2000 till now, carb intake, intake has actually been going down while obesity has continued to increase. Um, so for us to, for, I think the fact that there are the, the, the myths are still very popular that you need to cut carbs, you need to do this, you need to hear the magic food. Um, the fact that th- that misinformation is still so prevalent tells us that we're doing a horrible job. <laughs> um, and you know, there are researchers out there who actually believe that dieting does not work, that dieting is not effective, that dieting does not actually lead to any um, effect, any measurable weight loss. And I very much disagree with that. I think it's not the diets themselves that are wrong so much as we don't know how to match the best methods to the individual because everyone's got their own lifestyle preferences. Everyone's got their preferred meal frequency, preferred food that they like to eat, preferred ways of learning, behavior change even. And we, I, I think we need to learn how to cater that approach to the individual. And I don't think we figured out how to do that just yet. Well, and, and given the power to do something, um, what would you do to change? So, I mean, there's lots of things you could do, but like what, what would be the biggest thing you would do to attack that? Um, so my, one of my big things is I, I'm trying to make moderation cool, which is really <laughs> hard because like, I'm going to go on this super moderate diet. Um, no, people want to say I'm, I'm on this. Oh my God, you guys, I can only eat these six foods and I'm on this 800 calorie a day diet and I'm doing two. That's impressive, right? People want to feel like heroes. Yeah. They want to, they want to do the more extreme approach. And for them to say, yeah, I'm just going to take my time, you know, and just work on this tiny habit one at a time. That's not sexy. <laughs> um, but uh, so getting people to, to change their mindsets to where instead of going for the fastest results, they're learning to think, okay, where do I want to be long term? Uh, do I actually want to live my life this way? Do I want to have to live this extreme approach for the rest of my life? Probably not. I probably can't even stick to this for a while. Um, so getting to pulling them away from that shortcut fix mentality and thinking more long term, um, thinking more of the process wins instead of focusing on the outcome so much. What are some, what are some behavior changes that you've made recently that you can celebrate? Because those are the things that are going to add up and going to make a lasting difference. Um, what are some, you know, focusing on the big picture rather than, um, stressing out over whether brown rice is healthier than white rice or broccoli is healthier than kale or whatever. Um, and uh, thinking in such black and white extremes where this food is good and that food is bad and then not knowing how to how to live your life and, and then, you know, um, falling off your diet and binge eating because of your, your own self-imposed inflexible dietary rules. Um, these are things that I uh, am continually working on, uh, trying to um, correct the myths, uh, spread my message. And a big part of that involves growing my platform, obviously, so I can yeah. have more of a voice. 
And um, that's a big part of why I came back to, ma- to, to school to get my master's degree was to um, learn how to read research, learn how to read and do and understand statistics and uh, contribute back to the in- industry in a meaningful way by, uh, by publishing, publishing research. So, um, with some of the findings that I hopefully will have uh, with my research, um, it'd be really cool in a few years from now to be able to say, okay, guys, based off of my research that I'm, I'm the, I'm the co you know, I'm the lead author of this paper, which will be such a badass feeling, I think. <laughs> um, oh, check out, check out, uh, uh, you know, Lee comma S 2018 <laughs> check that paper reference or whatever and be like okay based on this um the, the we should change the practical recommendations for weight loss instead of using this language with our patients and clients maybe we should say this or you know this has been found to be more effective than this for this population or something like that these are things i want to find out that's actually like a good point like that can make a huge difference just that language <sighs> oh my gosh it's huge <laughs> Well, you hit on something really uh, key there about growing your platform, and I don't think a lot of people realize how important this is. You know, I think that the future of our success in the industry is the best professionals being able to gain more traction because you, we've got to compete with idiots like David Asprey telling people to put butter in their coffee and dumb shit like that, <laughs> which I, that's actually causing some problems. But uh, I, I have great hopes for people like yourself. Uh, Brett Contreras, I think, is wonderful. Mark Fisher is incredible. Luca Hosovar. And I, I can go on a long list of people who have the charisma, the presence. And I think you guys are the type of people who can probably start penetrating into the mainstream to compete with the the glamorous lies that we're so often seeing from some of these people who I would use just, I would describe them as plain charlatans, but yet they've got four to 5 million followers on Instagram. You got the Kardashians releasing fitness books yeah. and content and shit. And like, like it makes, he's you, blown up right now. Yeah. I'm like trying to control the emotions. Up, so we, this shit drives, it's, it's me winding myself <laughs> up, but it, it's just my hope that people like yourself and, and I mean, sure, even with this little humble little podcast we started, we already had a, a good bit of success. And by getting someone like you on, it helps us grow. And we're hoping that by interviewing people like yourself and our next guest is Dr. Mike Isertel, who's like brilliant as hell and likes to swear a lot. <laughs> we can get you guys speaking to an audience that's broader in our little corner of the world and we get a bigger audience then maybe we can make more of a difference. So I think that growing that audience is a critical aspect of what we do, but an often overlooked one. Another thing I want to touch on is you should hashtag make moderate cool or making moderate cool. Because <laughs> you have your eat, lift, thrive. I'm just saying that should be your next one. Maybe do that. Cool. Um, I, think I, I almost think I used that for a little bit and then I forgot about it. Um, so you go back to it yeah, and then, and then <laughs> tag me in and be like, you know what? He brought back this idea. It's great. I thought, um, I'll yeah. use it. I'll use it. So now here's one of my favorite things to poke at. Like we're existing in this ridiculous, like overt political culture. I mean, <laughs> we don't have to go into it, but I remember you shared an innocent uh, infographic and people blew up oh, and yeah. you had to, you had to yeah, backtrack. Yeah. And I, and I thought that the outrage on that was fucking ludicrous. And I, you took the high road by just po- sharing. It was one of Lade's things. And that was fucking funny. But where I was also going to go is we're getting doctors getting pushed back for telling patients they need to lose weight for their health. And we get the extreme ends. And I, I like attacking this corner that are telling people that obesity is healthy. A, what are your thoughts on this crap? And yeah. how do you navigate this minefield? How do I navigate this minefield? Yes. <laughs> Is that your question? <laughs> well, well, yeah. Like, what's what are your thoughts on this? Oh, the, the trouble okay. we're having so with the, whole the political thing gives me a big headache. I feel like um, not addressing anything specifically, but I think in general, uh, I've noticed the past a couple years, um, people on the internet have gotten very sensitive, um, very opinionated, very easily offended, extremely so, and uh, I don't know how or why this started happening. I'm sure there are lots of contributing factors. Um, but I think mm, I almost, I almost feel like, you know, for me, it's never occurred to me to, to comment something snarky on someone else's page. If I disagree with them, I just keep scrolling. If I really don't like them, I can unfollow them. It's that easy. And, um, even with my colleagues, you know, there are, um, there's not a single colleague with whom I agree 100% on with everything, every single topic. And, um, there's just not, and I still can respect, I'm still 
capable of respecting them immensely and respecting their views and recognizing our differences. And that's fine. I don't have to nitpick everything they do. But um, it seems to me that there are online, there are people who just have the time and have the energy and the desire to voice their opinions um, on other people's pages and, and, and stir, the, stir the pot and, and cause drama that is just not needed. And um, on, just it gives me a big headache. Uh, I, if, if something offends me, I just keep scrolling. But I understand that, you know, obviously some topics are, are more sensitive than others. And there are obviously boundaries which should not be crossed um, with with language that's used, with things that are talked about and joked about and things like that. Um, but, you know, uh, I agree with the thing you said there. There's a fine line. I I don't believe in ever making anyone feel really bad about themselves. I believe fat shaming is a terrible thing. We should not do it. But one of my fears is that we become so policed in anything that we say that it completely shuts down conversation at all to the point where we can no longer help people who genuinely want to be helped for fear of offending the you know, the, I don't like using the term the Nazis on this. Way. I hate the misuse of that term, but the type of people who are just so militant and so caught up in social justice for the sake of it, that it's being applied in directions that are actually causing more harm than good. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, my mission is the same with, 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 uh, health and fitness and science. And, um, I don't think it's going to change. And I, uh, you know, I obviously keep a pulse on what, what's going on in the world, but uh, I like to I like to to stay in my lane, and um, you know, you can learn. You, I learned a good lesson from that one incident. Um, I think it was two one or two months ago now, and definitely will not be doing it again. And I can just uh, learn from my mistake and keep moving forward. But I'm not going to sit around fighting with people online over things like that. That's not what I want to do. And just the, you, you speak about your lane, <laughs> our audience, we have a lot of trainers and just like a lot of locals and people thinking about starting out in this industry. Could you tell us some key decisions and behaviors that led you to kind of your current success and your, your settling into your lane per se? Yeah. Um, so the biggest thing I would say is, um, I've been consistent over the years and I know six years is not, um, you know, it's not that long of a time, but there are also many people who tried to make a name for themselves, uh, back when I was first starting who have since dropped off because they became complacent yeah. or they realized that the work was too hard. They didn't love it enough to keep, you know, putting in the, the time and energy. And, uh, you know, beginning of my career, I was very open to, new opportunities to, um, and not, I know not everyone has the freedom to do this, but I was open to moving to anywhere I need to go to, um, for my career since I, you know, I didn't have a family or anything like that. I didn't have roots anywhere. Um, so that was, that was cool for me, but I was also just, um, very consistent with my content creation online on social media. I was blogging, um, pretty regularly and always, um, pursuing new opportunities, always looking for ways to learn more. And once I figured out my strengths, which, um, at the time was, uh, I was, a turned out I was a pretty good writer and I was a, um, was, had this ability to communicate concepts and teach people, uh, things in a very simple, easy to understand manner. And people really liked that and they were drawn to that. And, um, they also liked when I talk about my own history with my own, my own eating disorder struggles. And so coming off as relatable and talking about my own story, uh, teaching them things about nutrition, about, with, about, uh, training and things like that, um, has really helped. And also, uh, obviously networking helps too. Um, people who in, in the industry who are maybe doing a little bit better than you are, um, maybe be friends with, become friends with them, learn from them and, uh, try to attend conferences and, uh, make an, and eventually maybe you can, um, this is the route that I would like to go. Yeah. Not everyone does, is to, you know, start, start, start speaking more at more conferences and things like that. And, uh, from, from there you can, uh, stay, stay legitimate. Oh, the other thing I'll say too is, um, if you're going to have a professional account online, keep it professional. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that yeah. teaching. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I was a teacher like, before this and like you, you get the right um, app. Yeah. <laughs> and, and some things I see just make me cringe so hard. 
Um, you know, everything that I post absolutely, you know, you'll notice I'm not super public about my private life or anything. It's very intentional. Everything that I post on my Instagram, on my social media platforms is very, or at least, you know, somewhat relevant to my career, except to my Ollie. brand. Except Ollie. Um, oh no, he's definitely, he's, he's a brand mascot. Okay. He can be part of he's it. FYI. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry um, about it. So it's all part of my brand. It's all in line with what I believe. You won't see me um, throwing a fit on social media about what a horrible day I had and how horrible this professor is and et cetera. Even if I do maybe feel that way, I'm not going to do that online. Um, I'm not going to air my dirty laundry. So I've been uh, really good about, about uh, keeping that separation between what goes on in my private life and versus um, my professional life is my professional life, you know? No, that makes a ton of sense. And I specifically yeah. like the point about going to conferences because like in May, uh, where I met you and a lot of the other people that uh, I've networked in the industry, that's the first one I've gone to outside of Edmonton. And that completely yeah. changed my world when it came to this industry, uh, cool. meeting so many cool people. So I made a point of going to another one. I went to Luca Hosevar's uh, business and fitness summit in at his gym in Renton, uh, down at bigger ground, which yeah. was really, really cool. And I mean, I'm going to be in, in uh, Kansas City back in May again this coming year and go to probably a couple other things. So are you guys, are you going back in May? Uh, um, I believe so. That's the weekend right before my grad. I graduate that next, <laughs> that May, right when I get back. So I think, um, you know, but I'll be done with all my school commitments by then. So I'm pretty sure I should be able to go out. Um, that weekend, but I also would encourage you and um, all the listeners too, uh, if you can, as far as strength and conditioning, the NSCA is considered to be the most prestigious uh, strength and conditioning uh, evidence-based organization out there. They have a national conference. They also have regional conferences that are also good. And then as far as nutrition, the International Society of Sports Nutrition Conference, they have an annual conference uh, in the summer. I don't remember where it is next year. This year it was in Phoenix, which was convenient for me. Um, but they have that every year too. And those are two are really good conferences that I would encourage everyone to try to go out to. Summer in Phoenix. That sounds really swell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been there in the summer. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> well, honestly, it was great for me because I live here, um, but it was in uh, late June and I was, I remember going to um, Dr. Campbell, who is one of the, uh, you know, he, by the time he was the president of the ice and I go, Dr. Campbell, I love that it's here. It's convenient for me, but why the hell did you choose Phoenix? In June? <laughs> um, it was 121 degrees, I think, 120 degrees. Very, very, very hot. Yeah, or, or like most of most of our listeners at this point, but it's growing or up in Canada, and they're like, "What does 121 degrees mean?" Because we have yeah, this Celsius thing, for, so it's probably like yeah, 40 plus. Put it this way: like my parents have a place there, and we'll go in the winter, so like December around Christmas, and we're in shorts, oh, and you guys are all in sweaters and like coats, yeah. and like, man, this is hot. <laughs> like, well, it's so funny. Yeah, right now I'm in like hoodies. Yeah, I'm in like weather. It, it's like uh -huh. minus 20 here and it's snowing. And that's Celsius. Yeah. So that's a good time. Oh my God. Yeah. You, uh, you also, yeah. oh, sorry, go ahead. You first. It's 20, de 20 degrees Celsius here and I'm cold. Yeah, exactly. So. Relax. <laughs> okay. you, also, yeah. you also mentioned, uh, your scale of creative writing and that leads into your book, which I definitely want to make sure we let the, the audience find out about. So yeah. you've got a book, it, uh, eat, uh, lift, thrive. You release it in June. Actually, one of my clients is reading it right now and he loves it. He's super excited. I mentioned oh, you to him a long cool. time ago. So I'll give a shout out to Chad. He's actually one of the, uh, he loves these podcasts. He's so excited about these stuff. So he's going to jump out of his seat when he hears that I mentioned him, but oh, he's really stoked about the book, but can you tell more about that? Tell us more about that, please. Yeah. So my idea for the book came about because I noticed that all the um, books out there um, are mostly either about all nutrition or all training um, or all training and nutrition. And there is not enough mindset psychology stuff in their mindset, um, which I think um, actually kind of came to this realization during my college years, um, trying to adhere to this meal plan and this really strict workout regimen that I couldn't adhere to and not understanding why am I just not, you know, it was the whole, like, I'm trying harder, but it's not working. And it was this whole, you know, there must be something missing. I know what to do and I can't do it. What am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? And eventually dawned on me that, oh my God, it must be the psychology of this. It must be the behavior aspect. And that's when I became really interested in behavior change, habits, adherence, things like that. So this book addresses the mindset portion of fitness first and foremost. Um, so it's one third nutrition, uh, mindset, one third nutrition and one third training. And, um, I've had people ask, does it have meal plans? This is not a meal plan <laughs> book. This is not a macros book. I don't teach you how to track macros. I have a separate ebook for that. Yeah, you have I an ebook for that. A meal plan and give you a generic meal plan and tell you to follow it. Um, 
uh, I teach you about macronutrients, about uh, how to figure out how much to be eating, how to figure out your your own nutrition. I like to say figure out your uh, master your unique um, training and nutrition strategy because it's going to be different for every single person. And so, um, I take a very flexible approach with, with all, all things fitness. And, um, I also do things like teach you how to write your own training program and give you a few sample training programs, encourage you to swap out exercises if you need to, um, and teach you how to gauge your progress, take body circumference measurements and how to adjust your program as needed to get to where you are. And I also give just as reminders all throughout the book about the importance of quality of life. Don't forget your quality of life matters too. Don't let your life go down the drain because you want to get shredded, um, which is a you know, mistake a lot of people make. Your bandwidth. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> I, I love that one, by the way. Um, what's next for you other than um, making moderate cool book that you're going to have down the pipe? What's next? Upcoming products, uh, content you wish our audience can learn about? So next, next year, one thing I'm really excited about with uh, once I'm done with school is I would like to get back to being more active on social media. And you might say, oh, you're, you've been pretty active. Um, <laughs> I've been doing what I consider to be the bare minimum online <laughs> the past uh, little bit uh, to, due to school taking up so much time and mental energy. Um, so I've, I, I've not been able to devote my full attention to building my career, although you could say, you know, definitely um, my getting my master's degree is definitely a huge step forward, but the work required puts me at a little bit of a standstill. Um, so I would love to actually uh, get my YouTube channel back up and running. I would like to, uh, you know, some, one thing I learned over the past year through the, um, the rise in Instagram storyboard actually, um, is that I really enjoy teaching. I enjoy uh, educating people about different concepts with, you know, anything about cardio, about, uh, dieting, about macros, calories, things like that. And I would like to, uh, you know, in my mind, storyboard is a more informal way of getting information across because it disappears after 24 hours. So I don't have to worry so much about how my hair looks or exact, if I'm saying something the exact right way, but, um, YouTube is a little bit more permanent, you know? So I would like to get, uh, my video educational video clips back up and running. Um, that was something I really enjoyed. It's a fun project for me. I would like to dive into the literature even more on, uh, um, you know, different areas of fitness and psychology and, uh, get cranking on, uh, conducting some, maybe some cross-sectional and maybe even longitudinal training studies. Um, I had a few ideas off of my sleeve already. Um, I've already contacted a few of my colleagues to collaborate on other research ideas I had Jesus. in mind. Yeah. Um, I had this idea for uh, something with nutrition, which I cannot divulge just yet, but I don't know how feasible it is, but it's something that I'm really excited about and I'm hoping to make happen. Sorry to be so vague. And okay. uh, I also would like to get back to uh, speaking um, at different events more regularly and maybe traveling a little bit more. Um, next year. And one thing I really miss, uh, is having the schedule freedom to kind of, and this sounds so, I know this sounds so spoiled of me, but when you're an entrepreneur who works for yourself and sets your own schedule, you get really used to that, you know, and to go back to school where you have to be somewhere at a certain time and you have to do these and do these, it's, it's a really, um, it's, it's quite the adjustment. So I'm really looking forward to getting back to, um, traveling on a whim, uh, to someplace for a week when I want to, which I don't do very often, but you know, honestly, it's like the, having the freedom to, to know that I could do that is honestly, I'm like, that's cool. I know that I can, if I wanted to, um, you're like, the queen, yeah, I was yeah, going to say, you're like, like the queen of get shit done. <laughs> <laughs> so like going on vacation, cause you're doing your PhD and then you're like, man, I can't wait to do masters, all this stuff. Masters. Oh, sorry. Masters. Well, I made that mistake too. Cause I had it in my head. that was a PhD. And regardless, I'm looking at your Instagram. You're doing like two posts a day. And you're like, ah, oh, I gotta get back to social media. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> and you didn't even mention more uh, yeah, physique science radio podcasts. So like, when's, when are we going to get some more of that? Um, say that again. The, you didn't even mention the physique science radio podcast. I was going to say, when are yeah. we going to get some more of that? Uh-huh. We've, uh, so we've been a little bit spotty lately cause I, with my schooling and then, you know, things with, with the Brett's been, or not Brett, Elaine's been really busy with things. And, mm. um, we're actually in the middle of scheduling a podcast with Greg Knuckles right now for our next one. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. We have a number of other, um, speaker, a list of speakers that we'd like to reach out to as well. Um, but I am looking more into, um, people who are doing, um, important research with eating behaviors, obviously. Yeah. And, uh, cause I don't think that's talked about enough. 
I think it's, it's kind of funny because I find really cool research papers from years ago that I feel like just have been skimmed over. I'm like, you guys don't understand. This is a really important finding. We have to go back 40 <laughs> years to revisit this. And uh, so, I, I mean, maybe that's something I can do on my own platform, on, on my, on my uh, YouTube channel. But, yeah, we have our own podcast, and um, it's been fun with Lane. He approached me, uh, I think, three years ago maybe with, with the idea of doing a podcast. And as many of you know, he likes to talk. Yeah. So it was a great platform. It was a perfect platform for him to, 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 oh, yes. you know, to do what he does best and, and still educate people. Good. All right. So I've got a question I ask everybody. So I'm, I'm big on reading. I try to chew through as many books as I can. Just curious if you're reading anything currently, probably not because you get your master's going on, or is there a great book that you've read that you wish to share with everyone that you'd recommend? Um, okay. I'm going to pull up my Kindle because I've just finished reading. You have lots of books on there clearly. Yeah. Okay. So actually glass castle was amazing and it's supposedly a true story, um, by the author, uh, Jean, uh, Jeanette walls. And they made a movie out of her, out of this book very recently. And it's all about her life. And it's, uh, it's, um, you're not, it's not like fitness related by any means. It was uh, really, yeah, it was more of a leisure reading about her life growing up in just abject poverty and her alcoholic father who leaves all the time and um, her struggles. And basically she grew up to become, um, she worked for, she moved to New York city and became a very successful journalist, I think, or I don't remember. Yeah. There was a movie. I, I saw the preview for it or whatever. It looked pretty good. Yes. And the book was, is amazing. A very, um, very kind of eye opening and really jaw dropping the, the things you'll read about that she had to live through. And for me to realize, Oh my God, there are people out there who have to live like this. I could never would have imagined. So in that way, it was really enlightening. Um, you know, it's nice to, to not think about fitness every now and hey, then. So I, I would recommend it. I take that answer. Everyone who gets that question, they probably prepared for it, had a non, it was like a business or fitness related one. I'm like, can someone just say Harry Potter or Game of Thrones or something <laughs> not fitness related? Like we get it. You yeah. read research papers and you're into fitness. If we ever what get, else do you read? If you ever get John Romanello on, and I've got a list of people I'm hoping that I can get on here eventually. And Romanello is very much up on that list, but he might drop uh, Harry Potter, but he'll have a lot of good recommendations. Like go read something like, yeah, don't, don't use all your bandwidth for Christ's sakes. Go read something. I'm never going to hear the end of that word <laughs> now. Thanks for that. So he to bring that word into every conversation. Oh, it's going to, it's awesome. <laughs> Cause I'm just a computer. Oh, I'm a tech guy. So it's like bandwidth, like perfect. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of bandwidth, oh, Dean. Oh yeah. We're, we're going to, oh, we kind of already went over this, but where can our audience find you and follow you website, yeah. social media, give them the whole gamut. Let them know. So everything online for me is so he fit. S O H E E F I T. So my website is sohefit.com. You can also just type in my full name, sohelee.com, and it'll redirect you to sohefit.com. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So for those of you trying to um, make a name for yourselves in the industry, make sure you buy, a do- buy your domain name right away, your first name, last name.com. No matter what, buy it right away because someone else is going to take it and you're going to have to buy it back and it's going to cost money. Um, so gone. do that. And uh, anyway, going back to what I was saying, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everything is so he fit. Um, I don't have Snapchat, but those are the three platforms you can find me on. I am most active on Instagram. Um, I do check my uh, direct messages somewhat regularly. And I sometimes I get people getting mad at me because I don't get back to them fast enough. But I also get uh, I get back to people when I can. And um, I really love the questions you guys send me. And I love interacting and answering questions. And sometimes I'll take a question and answer it on my storyboard. And that's always fun for me to do, too. That's super. Yep. All right. So he, like, I cannot express enough how much we appreciate you coming on. Now, Dean's got one more thing he really wanted me to ask. And I'm like, uh, I didn't want to make this about Lane, but he really wants to know what it's like to work with Lane. And oh, yeah. We'll make that a quick <laughs> and, one. And it just, it's about you, but like, I watch the dude's stories. And like, again, it's my favorite when he just goes off the handle. <laughs> so, like, what's it like working with the dude? Yeah. The, the thing you have to respect about Lane is that he isn't afraid to be himself. No. You have to admire that. Oh, yes. um, no matter what kind of backlash he gets, he's just going to be himself. And so um, he's very, pa- you're not going to, very, very passionate. You're Very few people are going to be more passionate about what he does than he is. And um, really, I think he has his heart in a really good place and wants to make the world better genuinely. 
and it's not just about making money, um, at all. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been really fun. And, uh, you know, it's been, I've been working with, I was his virtual assistant remotely for two and a half years. And since then we've just been, uh, we've been colleagues and, and friends and I see him maybe once or twice a year now at different events and everything. Um, he's so fun to be with. He's got great stories, definitely a talker, um, loves his guns, loves fishing. Yeah. And, uh, it's just, it's just a trip. Um, yeah. just a very, very friendly guy in person. You meet him a person just so friendly. And, um, yeah, I, uh, love him, love him. I, I owe him everything. And I, um, will always consider him a, a really great friend and a mentor in many ways. And, uh, um, very memorable. He's not a guy that you meet and forget about, you know? <laughs> Well, he's, he's the reason why I actually found out who you were at that point. Uh, and, yeah. uh, and you know, that's, that's how we're here. So he's been one of the most influential people in my career. I cite him and uh, Dean Somerset, who is our first guest on the podcast and he's a good friend and a local guy. And, and for a very long yeah. time, we worked for the same company together. So they, these guys, I owed a deep gratitude, a deep debt of gratitude to, and, okay. uh, and that roster of people is growing and that includes people like yourself. So right. I was going to say, if he influences my, one of my first videos of watching him, he's like getting ready for a deadlift. He slaps himself on the head and then deadlifts it and starts swearing at the camera. I haven't seen Andrew get influenced through that, but that was like my first experience that's of the lane that's Norton experience. So I was like, man, this guy's intense. And then he's like a scientist damn near slapping himself, yeah. screaming at the camera. It was awesome. Yeah, he's a pretty smart yeah, he's dude. A very accomplished, very impressive person. Yeah. Well, once again, uh, thank you so much for showing up. This was just incredibly fun and, and awesome. Uh, I, I like these when these get fun and exciting and, and instead of like just being like pedantic reading questions and answers. So uh, you, yeah. you brought great right. energy. Uh, so oh, we want to thank you for being here. Thank the audience for listening. We're really hoping that people will continue to uh, share a podcast. We'll subscribe mm -hmm. to it. One really, a couple of really big ones is if, if people will like our Facebook page, the fitness devil, you know, podcast, uh, that would help us so much. And then five star ratings on iTunes or Stitcher or what other platforms they could find us on. That stuff all goes a long way to really help us. So thank you so much, Sohi. We really appreciate you. Thank you. I had a lot of fun. <laughs>